Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, joined by my talented and lovely wife, Miss Southern Shell, across from me, and Tyler's down on the end on the boards. How is everybody this week? Good. Awesome, man. Yeah. Beautiful weather today. Yeah, it is. Finally, we got a, we got in some filming yesterday. It's night. It was like eighty two degrees. The only the only negative thing I can say was I had a couple flies for the first time of the year. They made yep. an appearance, so it's we won't have to deal with that much longer once this smokehouse gets done. So where are we with the smokehouse? Man, we are rocking and rolling. All the bricks done. It looks good outside. They this I wish week we'd have gotten some video last weekend. This week they uh, we'll get. Man, we're not gonna be able to go this week, but. Um, We'll be able to we'll be able to get some next time I go because they put up they're they're just about through with the wood ceiling, they're doing the tongue and groove on the one wall that we have. It's going to be kind of like the hot, the wall that goes to the interior of the smokehouse. The um, they're getting ready. We picked out what we pick out the flooring that we're going to put in there. I mean, we're, you know, this is I'm not saying industrial, but we know we're going to be in there filming. It's going to yeah. be a lot of in and out. It's yeah. kind of a man cave smokehouse, so. We're we went with like we didn't go with like the nicest hardwood you oh, could put no. in or something. It was like we picked luxury with an LVT. It looks like wood, but it's very durable. You can get it wet if it gets water underneath it. You can take it up and get the water out. So we basically said we don't want the cheapest, but some, I was like, I want durable. Yeah, I want something want that doesn't durable. doesn't you know scratch up bad and can take a beating if we're in there. You know, and you're doing an epoxy floor on the outside. outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure. Is it colored epoxy, or did they just like yeah, it, seal the concrete? No, no, it's going to have some kind of tint to it. Okay, it'll probably well probably try to keep it dark because I'm, you know, you want the lighting, but you don't want it too bright in there. Yeah. So I'm kind of worried about that. But also, it needs something to coat it because the one thing that kind of worries me about the open space is echoing when we're filming. Yeah, sound is such a big thing. You don't realize it. You think, oh, it's got to be the right camera shot and light and all this, but sound is a big part of what we do too. So. Yeah. So we're kind of, you know, keeping that in mind as we do it. And we're not like we didn't hire professionals to come out, get us the lights and sound. I wish I'd had the, you know, budget to do that. But this is the balling on a budget edition of a smart house. <laughs> I do need and to do a cribs of my, you know, crib style episode definitely. of it once we get it going. You had somebody gift you a huge boar head. Yeah. It's so, awesome. it's so like th- actually, it's one mounted. of Jay Craig's buddies from up in Indiana. Um, he had this, and I don't know if his wife made him get it out of the house or what the deal <laughs> he is. He had to do something with but, it. But, yeah. yeah, so Jay came down and did some hunting with us last uh, deer season, and we were just talking about the smokehouse because they were already starting to, you know, do the concrete and stuff back then, frame it. And uh, I was talking about what we were going to put in it, and I was like, man, I would love to. I'm kind of going with that boar's nest theme. If I could find me, you know, and I, and I went out to Texas hunting and shot a few, but there weren't, like, wild boars you'd want to mount. I needed one that was, like, a statement wild boar. And he says, you know, I got a buddy up here, and I, and I can't recall his name right now. I have it. I need to give him a shout out. When we when we, when we we get a picture or video of it, we'll give yeah. him a shout out. But he actually killed this wild boar. It's like a Russian wild boar in the state of Michigan. And I think at the time it was might have been like a Michigan state record or something But because it, it was huge. It was like 700-something pounds, and it's this massive boar's head mount, and it looks cool. And it's it, it's out in the uh, conference yeah, room now. Yeah, it's right now. Yeah, in the classroom out there, but it's going on the wall in the smokehouse somewhere. I kind of want because they sent the picture of when he killed it, like him standing beside yeah. it. I kind of want to put that in a little frame. Right yeah, beside put it, beside it. We need to. We need to. And like put his name on it or yeah. something. Or it was, yeah. <laughs> it was like a plot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but Dude, it, I don't know if I saw one of them. Man, that, that's a beast. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. All the little kids that come up here want to pet it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's got the big old tusk, and it look, I mean, it, looks, it almost it looks, looks mean, fake, yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so. Yeah, it's, but it looks cool. It's going to be cool as a for for hanging on the wall in the smokehouse. It's perfect. So, what's our ETA to start oh, filming know. there? Uh, I'm hoping by you know June, hopefully. <laughs> well, I mean, it was like moving. Memorial Day, yeah. but you know, this is where things slow down. Like the appliances haven't come in. You know, I don't have the refrigerator and the range and stuff, yeah. dishwasher and stuff like that. So we're waiting on that. Cabinets are still, like the cabinet maker built some cabinets for it. So we're waiting on those. But they're doing the painting and the, we picked out the paint. We got the flooring. So that'll be going in next. And then it'll be 
cabinets. Just waiting on the yeah. final touch. Trim's been done, so I got to paint paint that. We're doing painted brick outside, so it kind of matches. It'll look like a smokehouse, I guess. And we have Memphis in May coming up, so we're yes. prepping for that. That one's going to be, hey, we're cooking a whole hog at Memphis this year. Mm-hmm. Been working on the recipe, getting it dialed in. What'd you uh, tell me? Uh, how many days is it till Memphis in May? 23? Yesterday was 23, so it's 22 from right now. <sighs> the time this podcast goes out, it'll be 21. No, uh, three weeks. That don't seem right, does it? Uh-uh. I don't know. It doesn't seem right. But Every year in is. January, I always think like it's going to be Memphis and May before be I know it. Yeah. And then here it is. <laughs> it's got to be further than that, right? What is it like? the? No, it's se- prob- that's probably right. 17th of May. Here we are. I mean, April's flown by. Mm-hmm. We're past midway. It was just Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, when you're having fun, the weeks fly. I've got the nacho machine ready to go. So we're doing. We've got a new hot dog. We've got a brand. So everybody loved the nacho machine so much that Shell now has a hot dog machine. <laughs> I didn't buy Why? myself. Someone gifted it to me. So you know we have smokers and grills and everything. <laughs> Why we needed a hot dog machine? I don't know, but they say they're good hot dogs. Is it the, the roller a difference between a steamed hot dog? Yeah, or oh. a rolled hot dog. Is that what it is? I hadn't seen them. I really don't know. We're going to test it out what next week, <laughs> next hot dog Thursday. Steamer. Yeah. So we're going to have like Costco, Sam's Club style hot dogs. Yes. On tap, you can get the hot dog combo. Yes, that's the thing. I'm probably going to do. I'm probably going to come up with a Memphis dog. Okay. Where we can make it and like you know how last year we did the one bite nacho, did yeah. a little video. Yeah. I'm going to do making the Memphis dog. Will it have nacho cheese on it? But yeah. Okay. It's going to be like Memphis style barbecue nachos on a dog. <laughs> that sounds. I mean, does Tyler, sound what do you delicious. think? It'll be good, right? Uh huh. Can't be bad. How do you make it? <clears throat> and I might even make them for people. You come over and make, a, you make you a Memphis dog. We're turning the think? Killer Hogs tent into like a carnival food <laughs> yes. tent. It'd be great. Heck yeah. We're going to get a funnel cake maker next year. If we do Maybe. that, the sky's the limit when you get the fryer. If we bring out the industrial fryer, you're talking corn dogs, <laughs> pronto pups, Sar- Saratoga fries. I mean, I can See, get the whole Midway food that's not going. self service. Self service. I'm just thinking delicious stuff I like to eat at a festival. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking self-service. What is, so if if you were going to the fair, the carnival, your favorite thing? Chicken it, on a stick. Oh, is it chicken on a stick? Yeah. I don't yeah. know if that's a thing like other places. It's, in Oxford, I mean, I grew, yeah. grew up eating chicken on sticks there, but they come from a gas station. <laughs> yeah, the ones you I know, Yeah, they to, weren't from yeah. a festival. But they, was, my favorite thing would be the Italian sausage and peppers. Yeah. Because yeah. you smell that, like as soon as you hit the midway at one of those at a carnival or a fair or something, you can just smell that that aroma just yeah. lingers down with all those onions cooking on it. Oh, the smell of a fair yeah. is half the reason to go. I was going to say the Polish dog. So yeah, like yeah, Polish, yeah, 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 yeah. Same same difference. So there's, I grew up going to the Jackson Mississippi Fair, and they had elephant ears, but I've never seen them anywhere else. And it's basically a funnel cake that's not funneled. It's like they just pour it in the in the batter into the grease. And it fries as like a big patty of dough, almost. Almost like a giant beignet kind Yes, yes. But they top but it with cake. a... It's this funnel cake taste. But yeah. instead of it being little pieces that get crunchy on the edges, it's just kind of flat. And it's kind of doughy and yeah. delicious. And it still has the cinnamon and, you know... They put the powdered, powdered sugar, sugar all over and all that on top, yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. It is, yeah. Elephant ear. I, you, I had one one time. We went to the Jackson Fair with... You, said you were like, try. what? Yeah, I'd never heard of them. What do you think? Do you? Oh, it's delicious. Yeah. It seems like the one we got. I thought it was just like butter and honey drizzled. Maybe, yeah. It wasn't powdered it sugar. Differently. Yeah, yeah. It was good. But the it, best thing I had down there was probably the ladies passing out homemade biscuits with the, the molasses on them. God, they were good. Fairs just aren't the same anymore. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a good one like in Memphis. We used to. It's not the same though. Now it's just some. Rides and yeah, stuff. it's way too. I remember positive. going to the fair. We didn't talk about fair season. It's always in like September. But uh, going to the fair was like an event for my grandparents. They wanted to go look at all because they had like a lot of agricultural stuff. Yeah, they would have I guess the 4-H type shows where you could see the cattle, see the sheep, see all the animals you walk through. They would always have like we had one building that was like 
futures of tomorrow or, you know, <laughs> products of tomorrow yeah. or whatever. And you go in there and see cool stuff. And I mean, it'd be the latest and greatest hot tubs and, you know, yeah. saunas. <laughs> and to a kid, that was incredible. You know, I know you saw stuff like that. And you'd get a little bag full of free stuff. Oh, all like kinds like of pencils. Free, yeah, <laughs> yardsticks and pencils and toothbrushes. It's whatever people were passing out. <laughs> that was Magnets. always my favorite part. Oh, yeah. seeing how much stuff you could get. Yeah. It was like an expo. Yeah. They, but yeah. see, the fairs don't do that anymore. Yeah. Now it's just like a carnival midway with rides and, and there'll be some food vendors and, the, and most, not there. It's all like corporate. Like they hire one company to do all the food and it's the same thing. Yeah. It's just not the same as. And used to, it used to be local places that would come out and do yeah. the fairs. And you had a lot of different varieties. And now, I, I think the Texas fair is still like that. A lot of the, so you're, you've seen that show on TV where it's like carnival eats or mm-hmm. something like that on one of the discovery or food channel or something like that. They show, it looks like most of them are in the Midwest. They still have some fairs where the food's the primary thing of it. We need to take it. That'd be a good vacation. That would be a cool vacation. Where do you go to a, to a fair? <laughs> <laughs> Going to the Iowa State Fair. <laughs> why? <laughs> to eat. Yeah, why else? It ain't for the roller coasters or whatever, the swings. Scrambler. I'm going. The scrambler. I got sick on the scrambler one time. <laughs> I do not have the stomach for rides. Yeah. yeah. I just can't do anything that spins yeah. really fast or anything like that. The Gravitron. Yeah. No, <laughs> can't do that one. <laughs> um, yeah. I learned that lesson the hard way. So today I wanted to talk to you about steaks. Grilling steaks or searing steaks. I love cooking a good steak. I, I pride myself in being able to put to, to cook a steak better than I can get out anywhere. Yes. It's always nice to get a steak out, you know. Yeah, because you don't have to cook it. And I still order it. So clean. I forget who asked me the other day. I, I did a podcast with some guys uh, last week one night. So I think it was Friday it was night. It was last Friday night, yeah. yeah. When they asked me, like, you know, what's something that if you come to my house that I'm that, that you're going to get, you know, that what are you going to cook somebody if people come over? And usually I told them, man, me and Shell have a steak dinner down that will rival anywhere you can go that I've ever been to. And we do, you know, we do it all the way from the appetizer to the, you know, the whole course, you know, and it's, it's just a simple ribeye steak. That's more but of like if we're having one or two couples over. It's yeah. perfect for that. We know we can turn that out. We've got the sides to go with it. We've got, you know, everything that goes and we've got it down of how to get it to where it's white tablecloth restaurant. Yes. Approved. You even got me to order the white tablecloth yeah. napkins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We roll them up, put them in the thing, <laughs> have the water pitcher on the table roll with the, with the napkin wrapped around it. Several different bottles of wine. I put the cheese, I get the cheese room, t- or not the cheese. I get the butter room temperature and I put it in little ramekins and then get it chilled again where you can set it out with the basket of different breads that we eat up and, you know, we always do the steakhouse mushrooms and we always do it like a baked potato and everybody gets their own little loaded baked potato carousel with all the ingredients in it to where you build it, you know, you put it together how you want it at the table. And and the steak is the star of the show. When I do ribeyes, I mean, I'm a ribeye man. And we usually do asparagus. Yeah, asparagus usually goes with it. Sometimes I'll do the lump crab. You know, it's, it's almost like an Oscar where I make a hollandaise. You can have that. Um, I, I don't like to top that on my ribeye. I like my lump crab and hollandaise over on the side, kind of where you can dip it in it if you want. But yeah. so, you know, sometimes you go to a restaurant and it's like a topper. You can order your steak and they have all these toppers and stuff. And Oscar is one style that's really good. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, but, but I like it to the side. I don't want it all over my steak. Yeah, because I don't need a sauce. My steak does not need a good. You know, nothing wrong if you like a one or something like that. Yeah. Go for it, but it doesn't need it. I saw something the other day where they said a one is really just a way to cover up the flavor of a bad steak. <laughs> Do you know why they made like Worcestershire and Heinz ketchup and steak sauces and all that in the first first place? Because I mean, it wasn't always a thing. People didn't eat that with it. But back before they really had like USDA laws, people would buy meat. And you know, you're living in cities. You were buying. You know, it wasn't always the best cuts of meat. Refrigeration wasn't what it was. You didn't know what you were getting. Often they were eating rancid meat. <laughs> And it tasted so bad, they had to have something to choke it down. So they came up with ketchup, like Heinz ketchup. Yeah, and then they started making like Worcestershire sauce, and people would have it on their table and eat it with that meat, so they could so they could eat get it down. I learned that on the like uh, History of Food or whatever (laughs) our History Channel. 
I thought it was interesting, though. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't think about it. We take it for granted. We can go to Kroger, Walmart, Sam's, Costco, whatever, get some fresh meat, bring it home, cook it. But back in the day, that wasn't a thing. Yeah. You ate what you could you find. Just hoped, and then, yeah, yeah. Hoped it was, you know, you might not have had a refrigerator when you got home. You might have had a box with a cube of ice in it you got <laughs> delivered to your house. But that was it. You know, there wasn't the same quality of standards. And I imagine a lot of people got sick. I mean, you know, it had to be tough back then. He probably had some intestinal bacteria going for days <laughs> to break that stuff down. <laughs> um, when people ask, like, do you want A1 with that steak? Like at a Texas Roadhouse or something, yeah. I'm always like, I hope not. I <laughs> yeah, I hope not. I cannot tell you how many times I heard that line at long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I better not need it. I'm like, yeah, right. I better not. Yeah. I want it. But it's for the rolls. <laughs> y'all, ever, y'all ever dip A1 in rolls? Like the rolls you get at O'Charlie's or Texas Roadhouse or something? Yeah. No, it's so good. good, man. I like a good like A1 or something like that on like a burger yeah. or a Philly cheesesteak yeah. or something like that. I do really put good. it on burgers. You know, it makes you have a good. a steakhouse burger that's killer. Yeah. It, and I make up my own steak sauce for it. And that's what I. So I use steak sauces as more of a basting sauce or a binder on steak than serving with it after it's yeah. done. And they're great um, in a brisket wrap. Or when you're cooking a picanha or something like that. I mean, there's places for those sauces, but they're more of base to me. I've, you know, I've got one, and I make it every once in a while. But that's a really good product that that you know people don't really know about how to use them like that. And I, I don't, different ways. Yeah, yeah, I don't do a lot of videos where I show it, but I use them a lot doing stuff like that. I like using Worcestershire as a a binder, a binder all the time. Yeah, steak. or marinade. Yeah. But what I want to talk to you about steaks today is searing them in cast iron. Versus Ooh. grilling them on a that, grill. Over that was a, a. I got it from the community. Question yeah. in the community I saw where yeah. somebody said, "Why would you use a cast iron skillet to sear a grill? Uh, uh, Why would you fire steak? up a grill and put yeah and use a cast iron?" As soon as I read that, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind. You must have never done it inside <laughs> because you have to have a pretty good ventilation system, or you're going to set all the fire alarms off. And I do it. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. You hate it when I do it because it yes. smokes up the house. I've done it before. Yeah. You got to get it screaming hot to sear. Yeah. And then it starts smoking. And yeah. even though you've got a vent hood, it just don't, it ain't working that hard, you know? And so the next thing that I thought of is why would you, like, if you're firing up a grill, why wouldn't you just grill the steak? Yeah. You know, you got, and that's normally how I cook steaks. I grill them. But there's something to be said about being able to sear and get maximum, uh, you know, crust crust action going. Yeah. The, the, what's it, the Maillard reaction to where you get the outside surface of that steak to form that crust on it that goes from edge to edge. You can't do that just on grill grates. I don't care if you're using grill grates. I mean, you get, you know, the beautiful steakhouse marks. Yes. Or if you use like a standard grate on your Weber or something like that, you get the little lines. But you don't get maximum sear coverage. And a lot of people, you know, there's there's certain times with a filet, I want that crust all over it. Usually don't do my ribeye that way very much. but It's filet, more of a yeah. filet, yeah. But a filet, I love it. So which do you prefer? Um, Is it more of a, like, how I'm feeling today? Yeah. I mean, if I'm eating a ribeye, I want, the, I want it to be pretty. I want those diamond hatch grill marks. I want, you know, I like it like that. I want the... You know, the steak to have that pretty look. I don't want that old gray. I mean, sometimes, you know, you cook steak and it's got that old gray look to it. Mm-hmm. I learned that if you'll put a little binder on it, like a little Wishire binder or a little steak sauce binder or something, it'll make that steak have a really, really nice color. And then you put the sear marks on it. They just kind of lay on top. and it's, it's it's beautiful. I feel like when you cook the steak in the cast iron, you have the opportunity to kind of baste it in butter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get that extra flavor. Mm-hmm. But then when you cook it on the grill, you get the charcoal flavor. So... See, I base mine in butter on the charcoal grill, but you got to be careful. It doesn't work you will, well. Yeah. You know, and you will start a fire that you can't stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real. I've done that too, and it'll burn it up and mess your, you know, one whole side of your steak up. Yeah. That butter's got to go somewhere. It's not just staying on the steak. The, when you, um, every time you've cooked like a filet in a cast iron and basted it with butter, and then you pour that butter up after it's time to cook, that is the best the best butter yeah, for like yeah. dipping or mm-hmm. what about I, dipping some bread yeah. in? That's what I like to do. I, I usually keep that. And then whenever you'll, you'll, you probably notice it. When I take my steaks up, I keep them in some kind of shallow dish or a pan that's got a lip with some foil on it to kind of hold the heat in, but to also catch all the juice. 
Because often what I'll do is that's when I take my steak butter, instead of putting it all over the top of the steak and messing up that kind of appearance of it, I'll put some steak butter on whatever I'm going to lay, whatever kind of vessel I'm going to lay that steak on. And then I'll lay that steak on there on top of that butter and rest it. And as some of those juices, you know, the steaks, it's, it's hot. Juice is trying to get out of it. Well, as it cools down, that juice kind of calms down, but you do lose some of it. And you probably, everybody's seen it on a plate. That's some of the best stuff going after you eat the steak, sopping up that yeah. juice. Well, when that, when that juice that comes out of that steak mixes with that melted butter and you're putting all that flavor on the bottom of it, you get about, I don't know, half, a, depending on how many steaks you cook, you know, half a cup of good old dipping butter. <laughs> and I'll pour that up. And keep it warm and serve that with the steak on the side too. That way, if you want, if you do want a sauce to dip something in, it's all steak flavor. You've got, you know, that it's, that's the steak sauce right there. Yes. It's butter and all the juices that come out of the meat, and it's got the seasoning in it. Anything that you know, you could do a little compound butter, but you know, with all that good stuff in it. If you were going to do a compound butter, if you were going to do a compound butter for steak, what would it be? So, my, I mean, this is my easy and delicious compound butter. I usually start with some roasted garlic, a little bit of shallot, and some parsley, and then I throw in some TX. It's that easy. And I'll take like a stick or two of butter and set it out and get it super soft. And I don't I don't like to put just raw garlic in it because it doesn't have time to really cook. Yeah. yeah. So if you use roasted garlic, it's already soft. Now the shallot's okay because I'm not putting a ton of shallot in it, but I don't mind if the shallot's got a little bit of crunch to it. A it little makes bite. It, yeah, a little bite to it. But then the TX and the parsley just kind of gives it – you need the salt and you need the pepper, and it gives it some texture because those are like a bigger seasoning. And then the parsley just adds a nice little fresh touch to it. And that's an easy compound butter. So what you do is you mix all that up, and then I like to spread out um, on some plastic wrap and roll it up into a log and then get it real tight like it's a stick of butter and mm-hmm. put it back in the refrigerator and let it harden. That way you can cut it into pats and use it however you want on your steak. It's genius. It, it's it's so good. But you can do all kinds of different compounds. You can make whatever, like if you were doing um, a Southwest flavor, and you could add, you know, those kind of seasonings to it. You could you could do rosemary butter. I've done horseradish butter. I was thinking like you did a Cajun I, one where you used the, Cajun seasonings and oh that man that Cajun ribeye and a Dijon maybe in the uh, butter. I was yeah, those go great. In. Horseradish yeah. and Dijon are great to add in a butter. It gives it. You know, you think oh I don't want to put mustard in it. You don't know. It's just the sharpness, and yeah. it gives it a little bit of acidity, but it's not like you're eating mustard on your steak, and it mixes in with the butter really, really well. Have y'all ever put blue cheese in a compound butter before? Um, you know, I haven't, but that's a good idea, Tyler. I'm down so for that. Blue cheese butter. <laughs> we do pretty much exactly what? the same thing you do, except you put blue cheese in it oh. with green onions instead of the parsley, like little oh. chopped chives. Yes. Super duper good. Super duper good. I'm so into that one. That's uh, kind of reminiscent to, I believe it's called Bure up in Oxford, they have yeah. their yeah. fillets like that. So. Bure had the best shrimp and grits going for a long time. I hadn't had them in a, in a while, but it's a great little restaurant. Really good. So when you grill a steak, wh- okay, do you use that compound butter in your um, cast iron, or is it pretty much just for your uh, grilled steaks? Yeah. So normally, so if I'm doing a cast iron seared steak, I'll put a few pats of butter in there. Well, first you want like a dry cast iron. Screaming hot, just because so, it's going to make maximum meat surface contact. A well seasoned cast iron. The meat's not going to yeah, stick yeah, to it, yeah. but it's going to be. You know, you just want so hot you as you can get put it. Any th- you don't need any oil in it. Yeah, yeah. If you, I mean, if you wanted to put a little light oil, you want to use something like grapeseed oil or something. Some a high tea. You can't just throw vegetable oil, or olive oil in there because it's going to burn. You know, because you got it super hot. So I like to go just a, a well seasoned cast iron steak that nothing will stick to. I mean, I'm talking about your. Your grandma style, mama yeah, style. Yeah, it better be good. Pan. It better yeah. be a good cast iron pan. So, what are you saying the temp is? Like, if you were to shoot oh. that gun oh. at the surface of the cast 550, iron? 550, 600. Okay. Yeah, hot. Hot as you can get it. That's why it smokes your kitchen up. You got that dude sitting there on high as your stovetop will go, and you know, you throw something in it. It's, of course, it's smoking, it's steaming. And that I want that on one side to hit it super hard because I'm trying to get that hard sear on it. And then I flip down. This works great for. Steaks that are on the three quarter inch and down thickness. You don't okay. want to do this like right off. If you're doing it on a super thick steak, you got to sear it and stick it in the oven and finish it, or back on a smoker or a grill to yeah. a lower temp. You don't because you can't cook it the whole side; it'll just burn up. It's too hot. But mainly, this is for a quick sear, thinner steak, something that you can that you want more on that rare to medium rare. 
That's the way I like to eat them, and so it works. Your crust don't get overdeveloped, and it cooks more even. But I'll I'll start it out on one side, and then when I flip that steak, I've kind of got a hot glove on, and that's when I add some butter. I'll throw in a sprig of rosemary thyme, a few cloves of garlic, and that starts melting while that the second side is, st- is searing. And as that butter melts, I might pick that steak up off the heat, kind of baste it a little bit, set it back down. I mean, I've still got my, my, my skillet. Probably would have cooked the steak without even being on the fire because it's so hot and it's been on there that long. But it's a process where you got to kind of judge it because you don't want to get too hard a crust on it, and you don't want that you know super gray, then the red, yeah. and the super gray. You want it more close to even. And so that's why it really works. But on your thick cuts, reverse sear them and do it. Because it's usually, you know, a minute and a half, two minutes tops on each side. Well, a, you know, a thick steak, it's not done in that time, you know. But a but a 16-ounce ribeye that's half to three-quarters of an inch thick is usually pretty much done there. You got me wanting steak now. Yeah. What do you think about mayo as a binder on steak, Shell? Are you Have a fan? Have we tried that? I've done it. I've never done a video yeah, on it. We tried it. Mark's. It's said it really, was, really good. It does. It makes a good taste. People, like you put, so you, you take our old buddy Blue Plate over here. <laughs> you get you a best filet. mayo on the planet. Best mayo on the planet. Hashtag spread the love. Spread, is that spread is that their love. hashtag? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> a good one. Is that what it is? Spread the yeah. love. But yeah, you take a mayo and you put a light coat, like with a basting brush, all on the outside of your steak, whether it's a filet, a strip, ribeye, whatever. And then put your seasoning on it, and then grill it. Man, you never know mayo's on it, but it's fantastic. It makes a really, really good binder, and it's great on brisket. I have done it on brisket. I imagine it makes a good crust. Yeah, it does. I made like some healthy chicken uh, quesadillas. I guess they weren't that healthy after I put the mayonnaise on them, but (laughs) I did. Sure, blue plate's healthy, right? (laughs) I put a little uh, blue plate on the tortilla and popped it down on the flat top. Yeah. My mom's been doing that for years. Yeah, yeah. That's where instead I got of butter, that from. Instead of butter, brush it with mayo. It makes a beautiful tortilla. Perfect. Like yeah. the like a quesadilla, quesadilla that yeah. has the perfect brown. All the way across. All the that's, way across. You think that's the secret and I would never tell anybody? I don't know. I don't know where my mom got it from, but she showed me that years ago when she'd make, she called them uh, fried tacos. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's what they were. They're like soft taco, but grilled or, or pan fried or whatever. She always do that. She said uh, she saw it at Ann Burrell on Food Network. Oh, really? That's where, where she, she got it from? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I know she showed me. I've been doing it That's where, yeah, yeah. I got that from. Um, So I saw something in the community, and I don't think we've ever done this before. Have you ever cut your ribs and then cooked them? Like went ahead and cut them into single bone or two. I'm assuming it's single, only the, single bone pieces. The only time I've done that is when we do the deep fried ribs. Yeah. You know, where they're, um, you want them, it's, you know, you're battering them and frying them. But those are good. So those deep fried ribs are really good. And I don't know if it was on TikTok or Facebook or where I saw it. Somebody posted it's the best, you know, it's the only way they're cooking ribs now. That, it was on and the And it was community. like a 50 minute rib on a Weber with the Vortex set up. And I said, I've got to try that. I, I mean, I've got Very to do curious. that. Yeah. I know how good wings are on it, but yeah. you think that rib's tender? Or I'm, I guarantee it's not falling off the bone. There's no way in 50 minutes it could get falling off the bone. Yeah, but you're not cooking a slab. You're cooking a piece. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I still think. So my thought is, is it going to be dry? Yes. Because you're question. cutting it and you're giving it way, you know, a lot of, a lot of places for the meat, to, the juice to cook out of that meat. And so, I don't know, but I, I'm so curious that I, I want to try it to see if it's any good. So, would you do it on the Weber with the Vortex, or would you yeah. do it like on a regular grill, like a pellet I, grill or something? See, I, I think if you did it on like a, if you slowed it down and cook, say ribs at like two fifty, two seventy five, you're giving them way to. They, I just don't think they're going to get tender right. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. I've never tried them like that, but I don't imagine it being as good as. The whole piece of meat, you know, the whole rack of ribs yeah. that way. But I see why, like, you you want to cook, because you couldn't cook a slab of ribs in 50 minutes. Or I don't think they would be any good if you did it. Yeah. But individually on that vortex, I don't know. And it looked like he sauced, put rub on them, you know, cooked them. Glazed them. Glazed them. I mean, I'm going to try it. I think that'd be a good short <clears throat> recipe for you to do. Yeah, it would, just to see if it works. Yeah. It's an experiment. Do they have a video on it, or do they just was it just a post? Uh, I think he had a video he sh- had shared. 
Yeah, I need to go back and see where I. I think I saw it on Facebook. It was just a post. Was it? It wasn't in the community, was it? I saw it in the oh, community. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. There was all kinds of stuff in the community. I this love week. the vortex cooking on it. On we had a ton yeah. of new members and stuff like that. Oh, really? So. Really? There was all kinds of. Inf- I mean, I pulled most of our podcast topics from the really, community. from the community. That's a good yeah. one. Heck yeah! There was so many good questions and topics. I was like, this is perfect. Um. So, what were you saying about the vortex? Oh, it, I mean, for cooking wings, it cooks some of the best grilled wings I've ever had. You haven't cooked it on, on it in a while. In a while. Because we've been on like the whole wing on a pellet grill kit because I can get so them kind of crispy and it's set and forget, you yeah. know. But if you want that grilled wing and you want that flavor of the grill and all that, you're not going to beat that, the Vortex. And I like, when I do those, it's kind of like that buffalo cut where it's drums and flats separated. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't, I, I have done the whole wings on it and they're, they're good. But I like it. I like to spread them out and have you know, individual cuts on that. I don't know. You got me thinking on if how that rib's going to be because you know drums and flats are great on the vortex. They stay juicy. I liked it when you did the whole wings on the vortex. You went through a kick where you were cooking wings on the vortex for a, a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I never tried them, but they always look really, really good. It's a yeah. little more labor intensive on the vortex just because you got to. Do a chimney, you know, add your coals to it, then you're, you know, in pellet grill, you just turn it on and forget <laughs> yeah. it. But, but I mean, it's, you're still cooking them about the same time. Those wings take right at 45 minutes on a vortex and they're an hour on the pellet grill. So for wings, do you usually put a chunk in the middle, like on top of yeah, the fire? Yeah. I do. I do. I, I like, I like that little bit of wood on it because it doesn't really catch on fire. It just kind of sits there and smolders and gives you some flavor. And some people say, like, you put, you want the grate that comes with the center that comes out uh, because it's such an intense heat on it that it can warp that grate or, and it will eventually. I mean, it depends on how often you use it. Just buy another grate though. They're 20 bucks. I have one of those, but I usually leave it the insert in because a lot of times I'll, you know, set a little cast iron skillet there and get me a sauce going and move it off. That way when the wings come, I can baste them or put them in there and flip them around, you know, and get them going. You got to watch it though. Because I'm talking about hot. It's like a volcano underneath it, <laughs> putting heat on it. It doesn't take long to get a sauce ready. So we're cooking on the vortex this yeah. weekend is what I'm hearing. I saw I saw another, um, I can't remember if it was Facebook or TikTok again, but it was a Weber video where Weber's got something similar to a vortex. They've got with the one of their grills. I don't think it goes, I don't know if it goes in the, the regular kettle or if it was like the kettle cart. Yeah, I'm not sure which grill, it go, I, mean, I guess it could go in any of them. But it's like uh, it's kind of the same same design as a vortex. Not not as much cone. It's just like a round circular thing with a hole cut out of the top of it. That's going to act just like a vortex, I guess. Whoever saw everybody cooking on vortexes and decided they need yeah. to come up with something. But mine like came with something that goes at the bottom that kind of looks like a vortex. I, oh, maybe it's what you're talking about. I don't know. It could be because they um, they also uh, they had the it's- same guy used a diverter. It had some kind of diverter that went down and around it too. So, oh, this is cool. So I just pulled it up and looked. It is called a charcoal heat controller. That's it. That's what they called it. So that was. I need a better name. <laughs> I like vortex. Vortex. Yeah. <clears throat> Why didn't I just go, go with vortex? Something. Volcano. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> or cyclone. This is the yeah yeah the cyclone. The cyclone. Yeah. The cyclone. The charcoal cyclone. It has a uh, a lid essentially, like kind of a a, a lid with a cutout. Yeah. So so oh, has, you lift the cutout out. Yeah, you want to see it? Yeah, flip it around. No, that's the diverter. Okay, so it's got yeah, the diverter. That's, see, it's got that little groove on it. Then you drop that little diverter in there, and I guess it makes radiant heat come up. So that Because oh, a lot gotcha. of times you're just throwing heat, the coal heat straight up. But with that diverter on top, it's picking up some of that heat and spreading it out to your edges. So it probably, Might now this is little- just looking at it, I don't know. Dang, that thing's $100. It's <laughs> 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 pretty high. It says it's stainless, though. But yeah. So that's gonna that's gonna actually put radiant heat out to the edges. Yeah. So very interesting. I'm gonna have to see if that'll fit. Does it say it'll fit a 22 inch Weber yep, kettle? This, this one specifically Dang, will fit a 22 buddy, inch. Go ahead and push by now. <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally go ahead and get that coming. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. It's early. That's- I'm always looking for a new gadget, and I just saw that like yesterday. On I think it, it was has a TikTok. to be new, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a vortex man too, but 
Vortex will probably come out with one now that sits right <laughs> on top of theirs. It does the same thing. The guy that invented that actually sold to a different company. So the Vortex, yeah, oh really? It's a different, whole different company yeah, that's actually. Yeah. We uh, carry them in the shop. Yes, yeah. I don't know very many places you can buy them. Are you ready for Shell's learning time? Yeah, always. What are we learning today, Shell? We're going to talk about washing chicken. <laughs> yeah. I've been washing Why chicken. did that make you laugh? Because the comments on people about not washing chicken. Who washes chicken? And what's wrong with the chicken that you have? You need to wash it. <laughs> like you're talking about, you take, you go to the grocery store, you buy a pack of chicken, and then you take it home and you fill up your sink with water and you wash it to each individual piece. Is that what you're supposed to do? I don't know what washing chicken entails. I don't know what people do in their homes. I I I would. Did we talk about this? Something tells me we might have mentioned this. Before. I mean, we've talked we about it before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but don't I wash did some. Oh, okay. So you're going to teach me something about washing chicken. That's Not what I really. want to know. What did you find out? I'm what just going to validate your yeah. beliefs. What, what, <laughs> what did you find out going and researching it? And where does this? It, I guess the the idea was years ago. Yeah. You were you needed to wash your chicken because there would might be fecal matter on it. It was nasty. That was this idea. This is like barnyard chickens. Though. I, like I'm after assuming. you put it, stretch his neck out on the stump, <laughs> whack his head off with an axe, and pluck him. You probably need to wash him a little bit. <laughs> Make sure you point. get them feathers yeah. off. Yeah. Gut him, do all the stuff you have to do, cut him up. Probably want to wash that chicken a little bit. <laughs> but with modern processing techniques, chicken car- carcasses do not need additional cleaning. Washing with, uh, some people think that you need to wash it with like a vinegar or a lemon juice to kill bacteria, but on the contrary, Research has shown washing raw poultry in lemon juice or vinegar does not remove bacteria and can actually increase cross contamination. I believe it. that's what basically what he said. I think. Yeah. Right? yeah. Well, because you think about it, you're going to put raw chicken in your sink, and then I, I don't care when you when you wash something, you splash and stuff goes all over the place, and you don't realize that you're spreading all this bacteria or germs or whatever might be on that chicken. The salmonella is the big scare from it. Yeah. Could go all different kinds of places, and yeah, you could go in there and like do a deep clean on your kitchen when you get through. But who's going to do that every time they they cook yeah. chicken? Like you're not going to rope you it probably. off and come in with your hazmat suit <laughs> and clean everything up. I mean, you're just taking a chance of messing. So when I deal with chicken, I yes, I do have certain cutting boards that I only use yeah. for chicken, or I'll use disposable. And if I'm doing it on a countertop, I will go back and like Lysol or 409 wherever I've worked with raw chicken my knives or anything that I use to cut the chicken or anything, get special cleaning with soap and hot water. You know, I mean, that's just how I do it. And a lot of times I wear gloves, but I mean, I get anything undesirable off the chicken. If it, if it's got a blood spot on it, or if it's got something on it, doesn't look right. If it's got pin feathers, anything like that, you can pull all that stuff off of it. But as far as just taking it and taking the chance of putting it in your sink and washing it and doing all that stuff, because you think you're, um, you know, being extra clean, yeah. uh, cook it properly. That's the main thing. That's what the CDC says. Do not wash your raw chicken. Just cook it to an yeah. internal temp of at least 165 and everything You're good. Died. You're good. Yeah. Isn't that the whole point of like killing the bacteria is you have to cook it to 165? Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it actually, actually it's not just 165. It it has to do, now this, they don't, they don't propone this or if that's even a word, I don't know. <laughs> They don't suggest doing it, you know, cooking it to lower temps. But what happens, It's it, killing bacteria has to do with the amount of time a piece of meat spends at a certain temperature. So chicken's safer to eat, you know, at 145 if it's been at 145 for yay long. That's how it, you know, and there's charts and stuff that tells you on what bacteria gets killed at certain temperatures when it's been that long. But for you know, public safety, if you take it to 165, it's all dead. Yeah. That's the whole thing with it. But you look at these guys that are sous vide and chicken. They're not sous vide and chicken breast at 165. They're doing it at lower temperatures and they're controlling it and keeping it in that, you know, say 140 for, you know, hours. And that kills everything too. So there's, you know, there's different ranges where bacteria is killed like that. But just for public safety and easiness and, you know, less people getting sick, they say 165. Yeah. And 175 and dark meat, which 
I don't know how they come up with a difference of 165 and 175 for dark meat. Hmm. Because you'd think if bacteria's dead, I guess I guess to get 175, it, it spends a little bit longer time in that that heat to kill it or something, or maybe they think. Would you eat dark meat at 165? Uh, probably not. Really? I mean, I, 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 I <laughs> you might have. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I think. Do I think it's uh, done and safe to eat? Yeah, probably. But it's a texture thing for me too. Yeah. Like if you take a breast of 175, it's dry and tough and doesn't have any flavor. You've cooked out all the moisture. Dark meat holds it, so it can go up to that temp. But dark meat at 165, it's just, I mean, to me, sometimes it can be a little rubbery still. So it's a weird texture thing. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I always take it. But honestly, I don't eat dark meat at 175. I like it to be closer to 200 because that's where it's it's the best texture to me. And we learned that from cooking contests. Like we take thighs and they're 195, 200, and they will melt in your mouth and they still got a lot of juice to them. Even wings, like white meat. I don't eat wings at 165. They're safe to eat at 165. That's where the USDA recommends. But I like a wing. I like my wing to go to 200. Like when I'm cooking them on that pellet grill, I'm putting my probe in there. That's where I want to see them. I want to see them 195 to 200 because the skin gets better. It's super soft skin. It's not rubbery skin. And the meat's juicy at that point, and the bones jump out. So it's just a better wing. But a chicken strip, I'm a 165 all day long on a chicken strip. Especially like something boneless, skinless on the grill or something like that, because breast at that temp's horrible. You t- you take chicken breast to two hundred, and man, it's like eating paste or something. It's just weird. Yeah, it gets that peanut butter texture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Dry. You don't uh, even like it at one sixty five. Nah, you can keep your breast. Yeah. I mean, I like uh, chicken tenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like a baked chicken. I mean, it's okay. Yeah. So fried chicken, fried chicken, the white meat's fine at, at one sixty five. Even on like chicken wings, fried at one sixty five are okay. But if you insist on washing your chicken, do not put it underneath a running water. Fill something up with water and a container, a container, and <clears throat> dunk it. So how about this? We take our big crawfish washing pot. We hook the garden hose up to it. We do it outside. We don't care if we contaminate out there. We dump all our chicken in there, and we fill it up, and we let it run around in circles. And then we go get that bottle of Dawn with a little duck on it because it's safe for poultry, right? That's how they clean them. <laughs> Squirt that off in there, and then you just got it circling around and sudsing, and you drain all that, and you fill it back up, and you just run a clear cycle, and you got the cleanest chicken you can have. That should have been our April Fool's joke. <laughs> how to wash chicken? <laughs> yeah. We can still do that, Tyler. <laughs> That's how you properly wash chicken. Get him a little ducky. <laughs> Put a little rubber ducky in there with him, too. The intro's got to be something like, this is the only way I eat chicken. And yeah. <laughs> Step one. How, how do you properly clean chicken? But, so going back to it, though, this is a big thing on social media. When you see people comment on anybody's chicken videos, there's always going to be some comments about, they didn't even wash that chicken properly. So now there's people going, all right, you got to wash your chicken. Have you seen I've seen people yes. do it. Oh, I've seen wash people make comments every time you cook something. Wash chicken. He didn't even wash that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> what? So there, here's some homework for you, Shell. Okay. We, so out of like the meats that people buy now, which ones are people more likely to get a foodborne illness from? Oh, that's a good question. Like, What where, would you yeah. guess? Pork? Um. Like That's a good one. I'm gonna. I'm, I mean, pork falls into this category. I'm gonna say cold cuts. Really? Anything you would eat at you know, say room temperature or stays in the refrigerator. I think there's more of a chance. Like when you go to Subway, you've got more of a chance to get a foodborne illness from something. It's probably because people are handling. It and That's stuff. more about people handling. But, yeah, it. but I think I. I bet you if you do research, I, that's just my guess. Cold cuts. Yeah. In meat. I figure that came from the spinach. And oh, the onions and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and yeah. them not washing. It probably their hands. does. Yeah, but I'm going to say cold cuts. If and I don't even okay. know if that's a study. This all right. Now. I'll, I'll yeah. Tyler. You want to take a vote on this? I can see that. Uh, what would be your second one? I mean, I was honestly saying going to say pork. I mean, chicken is probably pretty high. I would yeah. imagine just salmonella and. I don't know. I've never. Well, uh, I, I don't know of an instance where somebody's been pork sick, foodborne sick from pork. In a long time. It used to be a thing. You know, they said trichinosis was real big. It could be seafood, like oysters. uh, Seafood would be a good guess. I would say anything ground. 
anything yeah. ground meat because it has more of a chance to uh, pick up, you know, from processing and pick up yeah. diseases and stuff. And people don't always properly cook ground meat. Yep. And so I think there's a chance there for ground meat to be uh, up there. Um, frozen probably too, because you're probably anything froze. Cause you're probably, if you don't have it thawed properly and you're cooking it, it might not be getting to the right and what you think the internal temperature is. Yeah. And so there's probably a chance there even, and see a lot of people think, Oh, since it's froze, you can't get sick from it. Well, bacteria can survive that. You know, you can take that just because it's froze doesn't mean it's safe to go ahead and eat at any time. Yeah. So you're eating your burrito and you think <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> So I've got a lot of great questions from that came from the community. We're going to see how many we can get through. All right. Let's rock and roll. All right. Um, someone asked, can you, anybody recommend a great meat injector? And they were looking at like the siphon injectors and, and some of these heavy-duty injectors. What would, what would your recommendation be? Well, it's so hard to find. I used to have a good one. I always loved that BDI that we had. It was that green one. Um but the you manufacturer, were a lot of meat. Yeah, and I was injecting a lot of meat. Every weekend at a contest. Can't find, I mean, the companies, what happens is these things get going and people, companies buy them out and they take them off the market. I guess they got something else they're selling. So I don't know. Yeah. That's what happened to that one. I can't get it anymore. But if I had to just pick one, the ones that I use more often than not for home use are just the simple syringe. I can control how much I draw up to it. There's no working parts that you know can go wrong. I'm talking about like the kind you get with like the Cajun injector or any of those, they make different size ones if you need to inject more, but those work so easy and they're cheap. And you can, you can buy different dishwasher. needles for them. You can yeah. throw them in the dishwasher. They break right apart. I mean, I find myself at home using those more than anything. Now, competition world, um, we use. I still have a few of the ones I've been saving and we take care of. That is a siphon injector, and it means it's got like a, a pistol grip kind of works the same way. It's just a plunger in a tube with a needle, and it has a hose connected to it that draws it up in it. But what happens is those get people don't take care of them properly. Uh, you know they're shooting up stuff that's got particles in it and it jams them up and they just quit working. So that's the that's the problem with them. Um, another good one that I know of is called a um, a spit jack injector. Now that big one? No, 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 no. Oh, that okay. that's the, the F Dick brine pump is probably the best of the siphon injectors I've ever used, but. How often are you? Don't you have to like plug it up and? No, no, no. That's okay. the chops power injector, okay. and it's okay too. It works. I mean, nobody wants to. Or most people are not going to spend that much money on one. They have one. It's a pump, and they have one a powered. Yeah, yeah, comes in a tank, and it's got like four needles on it. But I mean, that's overkill unless you're doing comps. Uh, you probably don't need that. Um, the spit jack is like a. It's a controlled siphon gun, but it's like a caulk gun. So it kind of has these, you know, click trigger that you can inject and you pull it back the same kind of way and load it and it's you yeah, know, it's yeah. stainless and it's it's a heavy duty injector that's you know I think that's the one we sell at the shop <clears throat> it's like uh, a in here yeah we do have that yeah. I, I thought we just had the regular old plastic ones we may I don't know hey, who gets that I don't know but yeah but they do sell those um, and another injector well I said the chops power injector the brine pump's a couple hundred bucks. It's pretty expensive. And yeah. I use those for hogs or whole shoulders or whenever we're doing like a hundred butts, something like that. But I think bang for your buck, no more than you're probably going to be doing. Just a regular old syringe type is the easiest, the best, the best of choice. I like those because when it breaks or you have throw problems away, with it, you throw away. If it gets yep. funky stuff down in the little mm -hmm. parts you can't get, throw, throw away. away. Get another uh, one. Yeah, it's too easy. And you can buy replacement needles from them. They're just that square lock and mm -hmm. hub needle that just goes right on the end. I bought an Easter ham and didn't use it. Has anyone ever made ham burnt ends? I've never seen ham burnt in, but I don't see why it wouldn't be good. <laughs> You're talking about just take a ham. I mean, now this is a big argument too, calling something a burnt in. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's so, you know, people get on your butt about, Calling something other than brisket burn ends. But who's to say that ain't the burn edges of a ham? But yeah, take a ham and cube it up, leave some of that skin on the outside of it. You know, I'm, I'm assuming this is like a big bone in non sliced ham. You just have to cut it up into chunks and then I guess season it up and cook it down in some sauce. Pulled ham's delicious. I've cooked one that way. So I don't know. I would why. pull ham before yeah, I tried. Yeah. I figured they would get hard. 
Yeah, yeah, they probably I mean. would, yeah. you know, because I mean, you're not really cooking it; you're just heating it up. Yeah. So you're just heating up some chunks of ham. So it just into be little like, bite-sized chunks. It'd be essentially like the hot dog burn-ins, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of something like that, or bologna burn-ins. Yeah. You're basically doing that same kind of thing. So I, I could see that work. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be pretty good. I mean, I could see it like skewered. You could pair it with like pineapples and cherries and have these little bites with a chunk of ham that's glazed up. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it in more that way than like the pork belly, because the pork belly, you cook it a lot. I was like, that ham's going to be. Oh, yeah. No, you're not doing it. You're not cooking it that long. You're basically just glazing it, warming it up. Yeah. That's what I would do. I'd season it, let it smoke for, you know, an hour, throw it in a pan with a bunch of sauce and stuff, just like the pork belly burn ends, let that get all sticky and ooey gooey on it. And then serve it up. You know, one thing, I just had this thought. So I was, we were making the list for Memphis and May, like what we were going to buy and serve and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I didn't put bologna on the list. Oh, man. Put, yeah, you kind of have bologna. bologna. You can't do Memphis and May without doing a, a, a full chub. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> the bologna sandwich. That yeah, that's, that's another one. I like the Peacemaker sandwich where we put the bologna with the pulled pork on it. And slaw mm-hmm. and sauce all over it. Name put nacho cheese. Nacho cheese, yeah. Um, okay. I bought uh two packs, a two pack pork loin. No, I'm sorry. Wrong question. I bought a ten pound pork loin at Sam's Club. That's the three footer. That's the, the big, big dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yard, the full yard. <laughs> <laughs> From a long stretched out hog. How big would that hog have to they be? They are, but they're commodity hogs, yeah. and they grow them for their loins, and that's why you see those. I mean, no joke. They're probably 36 inches long. What do you think the weight on that hog is? You think oh. they're 300, 400 pounds? Yeah, probably, I would say. Big they're hog. big hogs. Okay. 10-pound pork loin. Um, should they brine it the night before? And if so, what should they use? Um, usually, when I, I mean, usually I don't brine them that long, like, Four hours is great. Six hours is probably getting on the verge. I don't think you need to go like overnight on a pork because it's not, well, yeah, it's 10 pounds, but most of the time you don't brine it whole. You cut it up into a smaller manageable roast because, I mean, you need such a big vessel to put that in. Yeah. Like I would cut it into a few pieces and then drop it down in a meat bag or something. It'd be hard. To, make, to get maximum coverage with it or yeah. a brine bucket or something like that. And so four to six hours is fine. Um, you know, I've, I've brined them in our bird brine. Yeah. They're, I mean, you're basically, it's a salt sugar solution with any kind of spices you want. So you can use, uh, you mainly use water, but if you want to add some juice to that water, some, I mean, I've seen people use sweet tea, apple juice, I've seen apple juice I've seen white grape, beer. Yeah. We used to do, I used to do a brine that was, a uh, um, what's the beer that you drink? The Belgian white, uh, blue moon. Yeah. Blue moon. Yeah. I had a blue moon brine that we would do. Put oranges in there and citrus, all that stuff that you would drink with the with that kind of beer. Yeah, and it was it was really good on pork loin, and it take about four hours in it. But you could, I mean, the sky's the limit on what flavors you want. Like you could go Cajun, you could go kind of southwestern, you could go steakhouse, you could just go herbs, you can go citrus, all that. That that pork's a neutral canvas, so it can take those seasonings. So um, is. Is it it's, necessary? Does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, a brine makes a big difference on a pork loin like that, especially if you have the time to do it. Now, if you don't have the time to do it, inject it because it's neutral on the inside. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with cooking on plain. It's just going to taste like pork on the inside. But once you put it in a, a brine solution or you inject it, if you don't have the time, you can put flavor on the inside and turn it into something really special. You just have to watch the salt and sugars on them because what's going to happen in that brine, if it stays in there too long, there is almost like a curing effect. So if you think of the texture of ham or Canadian bacon, that's what you'll get if you leave it in there too long in that in that salt and sugar solution. It'll do that. So you have to watch, you know, there's, there's a little trade-off. If you do it for the right amount of time, the it's moist, it's juicy, it still has that pork loin, you know, flavor with or that soft texture. But if you go too long, it's going to get a little tougher texture. If you left it in there a week, you, you know, you'd have Canadian bacon probably. <laughs> you know, it's almost like curing it. Would you uh, have to like cook it after that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, it's not, it's not cooked. Yeah, it's just got that curing effect to it. But then you probably wouldn't leave it in that much liquid. You'd tone it back down, and just the salt and sugar ratio would be a little stronger and stuff. But I've never made it myself like that. But that's a, my list to do, like some buckboard bacon out of a, a, a boneless bud or some Canadian bacon, something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, Michael's coach. Yeah, brought me some. <laughs> so yeah, coach. Shout out to Coach Josh. He brought me some buckboard bacon that he did. 
out of a butt. He he kind of cured it for seven a whole week, and then he smoked it. And man, it was it was really good. It tasted like fried. city country ham, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it kind of had that. It was it was it was it was more hammy than it was bacony. Yeah. But it fried up nice in a skillet, you know, and it, it was, was, real it was really good. Yeah, Talk about on a biscuit with some gravy, man. Um, okay, so this is the question. I was kind of reading them both at the same time. Uh, I purchased two packs of, uh, you know how that pork butts come in a two-packer? Yeah, yeah. So we took one, cooked it, served it, and then he, he, he put the other one in his freezer. How long is it good for in that freezer? He's had it in there for about six months. How, how do you package it up? Um, I mean... If it was, you know, wrapped up in butcher paper or, I mean, if you just throw it in a Ziploc bag, you know, and throw it in the freezer, it's probably going to be freezer burnt. But if you vacuum sealed it, I mean, six months, no problem. Um, If you, you know, wrapped it in butcher paper, it's probably okay three to six months. But if it's just in there in the package, it's, you know, if it's not in its, like, when I buy the double pack, it's just one pack and you bust it open. They're both sitting there. Yeah. You'd have to take it out of that, put it somewhere else. If it's still it in something. a cryovac original package, it's okay if it's all sealed up. It's you know I, I think they say up to I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Maybe a year in that in original packaging, but I mean. That's, so if you cooked it and it was freezer burnt, is it bad or is it just? It's just bad? gonna have a bad taste. Yeah, it yeah. tastes horrible. Yeah. We've done it. Before. Yeah. yeah, you can tell if it's freezer burnt. It just has old stale, not good, wangy kind of taste. It doesn't. T- it's not ruined. It's just freezer burnt. I um I can pretty much look at something in the freezer and say whether it's freezer burnt yeah, or not. Yeah, because it's Often, got the little crystals around the side. Yeah, it's and, like frost in there. Yeah, and it discolors the meat. You can yeah. tell. And even though, so like some stuff I've had in the freezer, and you know, it's fine when you put it in. It's in its original cryovac, but something happens and compromises. I don't know if it's from throwing frozen stuff in and out of the freezer. Maybe you get some tears. Some kind of freezer air penetrates it, and then all of a sudden, you know, even though it's froze, it can still get freezer burnt. So you have to kind of watch it. But you'll, I mean, you'll know when you open it if it's discolored, if it just doesn't look right. It's, it's not necessarily little... like tainted, like ruined, like spoiled, but it is. I mean, it's it. It's gonna chances are terrible. it's going to have a bad taste. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you, to me, you can tell if it's got the little. If it looks like Jack Frost is blown yeah, on it, yeah, yeah. it's got the little crystals around the but side. But perfectly froze six months, you're fine. You know, I've I've kept I've kept meat in the freezer that long and used it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have. Okay, this one I thought was pretty interesting. So the question is, how long do charcoal briquettes last? His grandfather has a bucket of charcoal. Uh, for that he's had for probably twenty years. What? <laughs> I guess he moved on to gas grills and never looked back. But he kept the charcoal in a bucket. Yeah. So how? I, I don't just, know. <laughs> so I had to look it up. I mean, it can Charcoal is going to absorb moisture and stuff, and it's probably. I don't think it's going to last that long for sure. Is there like a, they have an expiration date for charcoal? So I, I got multiple different answers yeah. from the Google. What did um, Google tell you? This is interesting. <laughs> so like the charcoal companies were saying six months. That's it. Six months. Get rid of it. Buy some day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they want you to. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Probably the last 30 days. <laughs> the time we bag it. But most people say as long as it's stored in a cool, dry place, it's pretty much indefinite. I would, that's what I mean. Unless it's got moisture to it some kind of way. And because I mean, charcoal will absorb moisture and it'll fall apart, it'll crumble. But if it's still a solid coal, I mean, it's probably okay. You can probably throw, yeah, yeah, fire I it mean, up and find out. Yeah, fire it up and find out. I mean, it's not, it's not gonna go like it's coal, it's not, it's not chemically gonna be bad or anything. Will it absorb like odors? Yeah, that's oh, what they will. use charcoal for. <laughs> that's right, right? They do. <laughs> it'll take poisons out of you, it'll do all kinds of stuff, <laughs> filter fish tanks. So if it's been in the house with a cat, <laughs> it <laughs> might not be good. <laughs> but if it's been, I, when you say charcoal's been in a bucket for 20, I'm imagining like my papa's old, like, pale. Yeah. Nothing on the lid, just pile of coals over Sitting here. Sitting over in a garage now, if it's been, yeah. yeah, if it's been in a Lowe's bucket with the lid or something that's been closed up, you know, maybe it's okay. I mean, we watch Oak Island. <laughs> they find charcoal all the <laughs> they find, time. They dig they up They get very excited about yeah, finding charcoal. <laughs> Okay, for overnight pulled pork, do you put the pork directly on the grill or do you put it in an aluminum pan? 
I put it directly on the grill. Let it roll. Let it roll. Keep that temp nice and low and just let it roll. If you had to choose. No fuss. Oh, it's the easiest way to do it. Is it the best? Probably not. Uh, It's pretty dang good. good. (laughs) I don't know if it's the best, but it's up there. If you had to choose between a big green egg or a drum, what would you choose and why? Do I have another grill? They always have options. <laughs> because do you know why I say that? Yeah. The the big green egg, you can it's versatile. You can do a lot of stuff with it. The drum's primarily for smoking. You're not gonna grill. So yeah, you're not gonna really grill. Now they do make some attachments that bring your fire basket up and you can kind of grill on it. But primary use, the drum is for smoking. The big green egg is for grilling, smoking, baking, cooking pizzas whatever you want. So you got to kind of weigh and choose Um, for pure smoking. I do think you get a better flavor on the drum than you would a big green egg any day. Do you feel like one of them's easier to control over the other as far as smoking? If you're just going smoking comparison. Uh, They're about the same. Yeah. I mean, they're both easy. Yeah. Yeah. Learning airflow. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They're both easy. Um, Longevity. That big green eggs probably going to, I don't know. You can, Cook an old rusted barrel. So, I mean, it, you know, I don't, that, my eggs held up well. It's been outside, never covered up, and it's, you know, going probably on, I don't know how many years old, over 10. Oh, yeah, got to be yeah. 10 years old. So. I will say the big green egg, it's almost like too shut off, and it'll. Uh, it can it mold on you if you don't mold. watch it. Yeah. Air, yeah, stale air gets trapped in it, or moisture can get in it in some kind of way, but. If you, you don't take care it of breathe, it the yeah, way you're supposed yeah, yeah. to. Drum can too, though. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Same difference. Well, if I had to pick one and I didn't have anything else to cook on, I'd probably have to lean towards the egg just because I would like the the versatility. Yeah, I might want to cook ham, you know, whatever. But if I had to, if I was just looking for a smoker, I'd go drum all day. And then <clears> you can get your Weber. Yeah, get your Weber for a grill. And, yeah, and it, I guess it depends on the drum you buy. You could probably do that. A drum and a Weber and some meat for the price of <laughs> yeah, a big green egg. <laughs> well, Malcolm, that's all I have for you today. Well, hey, that's been – I like these questions, man. We, uh, all those came from the community? Pretty much. That's some fantastic questions. What uh, what all do we have going on in the community right now, Tyler? So we do have a giveaway going right now. It's our springtime cleaning giveaway. Uh, here, give me like two seconds. I'll pull up what it is. But it's running until April 28th, and all you pretty much have to do is comment. Uh, we asked like a really simple question on there, and all the comments are going to be – eligible to win a gift package we're calling our spring cleaning gift package which includes uh, our grill cleaner grill gloves uh, a gray hat a barbecue ray hat a koozie an apron and a thing of the barbecue rub and the barbecue sauce so pretty much everything you need to get started uh, this grilling season and to get your grills cleaned up and stuff but the question is sorry um do you wait till spring to do one big cleaning or do you just clean as you go yeah. And we talked about this last week. Well, so, I mean, if most people are like me. They've been cooking on their grills. Yeah. You know, I mean, I take a little time off, but I'm still cooking. I may not be cooking on the ones at the house, but I'm cooking at the ones at deer yeah. camp. So I'm cooking year round, some form or fashion. And I try to keep them clean as I go. But a lot of people have had their. So the, what gives me the thing when I think of spring grill cleanup is people have had their grill sitting out on the patio. They ain't been out there all year. They've been covered up. You know, you might not have cleaned them when you put them up from the last time, so they need some maintenance. And basically, that's when you uncover them, you get them all spick and span, ready to roll for grilling season. I imagine it's going to depend on what area of the country they live in. Yeah, if it's yeah. super cold and snowing. Yeah, all they probably have stuff, been. Yeah. They're living down in Florida. They've been rocking year round. You know? <laughs> like, never just, stop. Yeah, never stop. So, anyways, you guys, all you have to do is go. Look up on Facebook, the Let's Get to Cooking community, or it's facebook.com forward slash H2Q community, and join up, comment down below, and you'll be eligible. The 10 people we're going to randomly select on April 28th to win those packages. Yeah, and we're going to do this every month. My goal is for everybody in the community to get some sort of prize pack of <laughs> Yeah, we, man, we can do that. I don't know how many th- – we got several people in there now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Almost 23,000. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it might take us a minute. What's, so what's May going to be? May is grilling month. Have y'all got we that We got to do like a big package oh, for yeah. May. Yeah. yeah. Maybe throw some meat in there somehow. So, I don't know. A Maybe gift a gift card. card to to, yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be good to get the butcher shop down in Pensacola. 
I hadn't uh, if, talked to Kevin in a while. You know, I, I need to take a trip down there. Okay. Stock the freezer trip. Pensacola, okay. <laughs> go to Kevin's and get all the meat, and then we'll go to Joe Patty's and get some seafood, and then we'll... We talked last week. We need a big ke- a sign, like a butcher yeah. play sign to hang behind you. That's right. I got I to gotta get one. He, he's got a big sale going on right now. He's got some... Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, cut birthday. to order Wagyu ribeyes, any thickness. He's got picanha on there. Four to, I think they're four to five pound picanhas. Um, what else do I see? A, chicken wings, whole or buffalo cut. Uh, and there was something else on that Facebook post I saw earlier. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was it was several things. Yeah. If y'all are vacationing down on the Gulf Coast, uh, close to Pensacola, it is worth the drive to go check out Kevin's. I mean, it's not an amusement park. It is a butcher shop. It's a butcher shop. And it yeah. is. <laughs> it's a grown man's amusement park. It is, yeah. <laughs> Headed down to Disney for the kids. I don't, you know, everybody that's told me they've ever stopped by there has been like, man, it's such a great place. They will talk to you about yep. all the different stuff. It's and so, he has so but, much yeah, it, exotic stuff. Weird, you know, kind of weird yeah. stuff. Hey, he's but. got those giant turkey breasts. <laughs> those are awesome. Bring your cooler when you hit the beach. Yep. Swing by Kevin's on the way home. Pick it up. Well. Get to grilling. If you'd like to connect with Malcolm, it's How to BBQ Right on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and of course YouTube. If you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell on Instagram. All right. Well, hey, we appreciate y'all hanging out with us for another episode of How to Barbecue Right, the <laughs> podcast. And we will be back next week to talk more barbecue and grilling. <laughs> Is that what we're going to talk about? I don't know. We'll see. Y'all ask questions, we'll answer them. But uh, we're, uh, we're gone. Ha, 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 ha.